Andrew O'Hara, licensed professional counselor, and I have here with me today Jen Morley. Jen, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Hi, Stephanie. Um, my name is Jen Morley, and I'm the owner of North Boulder Counseling in Boulder, Colorado. I'm also a licensed professional counselor. Um, I would say our practice um, specializes in anxiety, but my personal goal in my whole life is to free people from anxiety and fear as much as possible so that they can do their best life's work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming here today and sharing your knowledge. And I'm really excited to talk about our prosperity and pain and the intersection of that in the population that she works with. So why don't you go ahead and and share with me or share with us and how people kind of come in and present with these two um, issues with feeling maybe that they don't deserve to have suffering or that they shouldn't have suffering because of their prosperity. Thanks, Stephanie. I This is so funny. When you reached out to me, I was thinking of the things that I wanted to talk about. And I know I sent you several things, but this one's sort of been burning a hole in my mind lately. Um, so I have so many folks, particularly millennials, who I know you kind of center this around, but I'm sure lots of other people listen to it too. And also millennials and then some younger folks. I mostly see adults, but it happens in our practice. We also see teens too. So I, I often see folks come in who describe to me something that sounds pretty painful to me. That sounds legitimately like a difficult human experience. And then they follow this up with, but I have so much, I should probably just be fine you know, something along those words, right? Um, So someone will describe to me really intense depression or self-harm stuff or anxiety that is, sounds really painful. And, and my heart's going out to them. And then at the end, what, what, you know, like three sentences is they describe this and then I'm emoting with them and I'm thinking, oh boy, this feels really hard. And then they sort of shut it down with, yeah, but I have everything anybody could want. So I don't know what my problem is. So they're like shaming themselves, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I like, I want to like, I love for anyone to think like someone's telling you something and you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds really hard. And then they say, but I have no right to this. And you're like, whoa, wait, where did that come from? <laughs> right. And so what I, why I'm bringing it up yeah. partly is I think it's an interject. I think, you know, as a therapist, an interject is like something you believe and you tell yourself and you don't even totally know that you believe it consciously. So I think it's this thing that every time I think, yeah, what do you think? Tell me what you think. Yeah, it almost sounds like they're kind of telling themselves like, well, I don't have a right to feel this way because I have all of these positive things in my life. And I feel like I hear that story in other ways in my practice too, but I do think it's very common for people to feel like, oh, I have all of this privilege, then maybe I should just be over this or I should just like you know, work on it without having to come to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And my problems aren't really that big. Like there's other people who have much worse problems than I do. And, you know, I hear things mm-hmm. like that often in my practice. And it sounds like money can be a really large um, barrier to people feeling like they have like the right to have problems or something. Yeah, I think I that's that totally right. it. And I, no, I well, and I also think it's like a little something that we don't talk about a lot. Um, so that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about it, right? Like demystifying the combination of pain and prosperity. Like 
we can have prosperity and still have pain. There's no way to like buy ourselves out of the human experience. I mean, that's, it's pretty crass way to say it, but I say things kind of sometimes to kind of get a rise out of people in that way. Like if you go to a real extreme, that interject is sort of saying that, right? Like the, that, that mean voice that says like, well, you should have gotten more done today because you have a house over a roof over your head and you have food and you have an education and you have everything. So you should have gotten more done or you should have, you know, like done whatever you should have because you already, you already are starting at like a high base level. It's mean. Mm -hmm. It's a mean voice. Mm -hmm. So anytime, I mean, I'm all for, I love people pushing themselves as humans and seeing how much we can do. And I like that. Of course, it's like super cool. But that voice has to come from a place of confidence and not cruelty. So I don't want to mix up in here like, Mm -hmm. oh, we just only ever say it's okay, no matter what you do, you can like just do nothing. And it's fine. Sometimes do nothing. And it's fine. Sometimes push yourself. That's different from boy, last night, I got in a big argument with my husband. And this morning, the kids got up early and blah, 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 whatever thing. You're raw and you're tired, no matter what kind of house you live in, right? Or I'm so anxious mm-hmm. every day at work. I have a panic attack at work and I just sit there and I don't tell anyone. Yeah. It sounds like these, yeah. sounds like the clients that you're kind of talking about have these really high expectations for themselves. Um, and then they, as soon as they maybe quote unquote, let themselves down even a little bit, they go back to this place where it's like, well, I shouldn't be, you know, feeling this way because I have a roof over my head and I have food on my table and, you know, there's no reason to feel this way. And I need to just keep pushing myself and like hold myself to my expectations. And if I do anything less than that, then like, clearly I should, I don't know, be mad at myself. Yeah, I think it's absolutely that. What I'm trying to think of is like, what is the, what are the um, kind of jewels that come out of this? Right. So of everything that feels hard or rub, then I also, I always want to appreciate the depth of the rub of the pain, but also like, what is important for us to know from this? What are we going to take with us forward? How are we going to move forward with this? And what from, from this conversation is like, let's take this with us. I think of like um, a conversation with a client who let's say is having like real actual um abuse in the relationship but both people are working they both have money they both came from money and you know I've had more than one let's say in this case it's commonly moms but I also see a lot of men too but say a mom come in and say I just can't seem to do everything you know my house isn't clean enough I'm like kind of crappy with my kids I yell at them all the things and then when they describe what's happening in their life I'm like Oh, that you're. This is a really volatile situation you're actually in, but but their experience is I should perform better. And 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 I think this is very endemic inside with this population. If you're in pain, you're in pain. It doesn't matter how much money you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are about why this might be so prevalent amongst this population or with the people that you work with. I think that's a great question. I so so this is, you know, I don't have research to back it up and I guess even research would just be more well-informed um theory, but my my theory is part of 
as we've become more and more aware of disparities between income inequality and things like this, if, if you start to understand that, I think one, we don't know what to do when we know that we have more than other people. And so that's kind of a hard feeling, actually. Um, I'm not trying to say like, oh, poor you, you have you have money and that's hard to have. That's not necessarily the feeling. It's just confusing and it's hard to know. It's just a confusing feeling. I don't even have, I don't think we even know where to land with that yet. It's like, okay, that's, that's a, that's a lot of information to, to, to be asked to be more aware about the difference in the disparity. And so there, I think there's a lot of prosperity, um, shame around prosperity, but there, I also think there's some attacking toward people of who are, financially prosperous. Um, so, so I don't think it's totally made up that these people think that, um, their position is that they should make good on the privilege that they have. I was just going to say, I remember, and this is probably not the most accurate because I don't follow uh, like celebrity news that closely, but I remember during the pandemic, there was a lot of criticism towards, I think it was like Kylie Jenner or something. She like gave a bunch of money to something and people were like, oh, well, like clearly, you know, she could give way more. She has all this privilege and here she is only giving like a very fraction, small amount of her wealth to this charity. Like, how dare she? And it's like, I even that like response, I feel like, of course, it makes people who, you know, have wealth or experience a lot of prosperity in their life feel shame if nothing if what they're getting back and the feedback they're getting is like all this harsh criticism about having like wealth and that what they're giving isn't enough yeah. or something yeah i also uh, yeah that i think that's entirely true i'm i'm going to add also an addition i think that's a full in itself thing and i'm going to add another thing which i think is often folks um who have either come for money or are garnered money within their life more than they came from. Right. Um, there's an achievement framework that you're, you, you live in inside of your um, family of origin. It's very common. It's not necessarily ubiquitous, but it's common. Um, so, you know, I work with quite a lot of folks who are, Oh my goodness. I can't tell you, Stephanie, how many middle school kids come in and, I don't see them anymore, but they, some of my clinicians see them and they're worried about their GPA because they need to get in an Ivy League school and they're in seventh grade. For me, like mm-hmm. part of that is like, ha ha ha, that's funny. But also it's not funny at all. That's scary. When you're in seventh grade, no one's first of all ever going to see that transcript. So it's it's strange. Where did it come from that you feel at seventh grade? you're worried that you got a B minus in your home ec class, or I don't even know if home ec's a class anymore. But do you know, like, (laughs) that feels terrifying as a human. I mean, you and I and mostly like, we know how hard it is to be a human. And to say your humanity, the piece of your humanity, that's your emoting, and your internal dialogue, and your and your transpersonal self, yourself bigger than the life track you're on, those things don't matter. We're going to need you to have some concrete markers to like prove that you have worth. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very common. And, and like this prosperity track that, uh, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, your house should always be clean. You have, should have this much education. You should have this kind of career. You could you should bum, 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 bum. That's, 
it's well, it's just not real. <laughs> like it, those are things are like they're they're probably helpful. I, I'm not going to say that they're never worth anything, but in terms of like whether in the end, you know, I see a lot of people who are doing really well from what I call ten feet away. I'm like from ten feet away, your life looks amazing. And then you like walk in the room and like the doors open to your life. And I'm like, ouch, that looks really painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like there's a lot of, I'm going to call it perfectionism that possibly exists, right? Like if you see everyone around you doing really well, cause um, you know, your family is prosperous. And then as a child, you're like, well, I have to do just as well, if not even better than my parents. And I think oftentimes that there is always this like really high bar set for you. And so it does create this, I would imagine, overwhelming anxiety um, and trying to manage that. I imagine it's really painful for someone in middle school or, you know, even if you're in your 20s and your parents are you know, really successful that probably creates the same amount of stress and um, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it opens up a much bigger conversation that I, I don't even think, I mean, you and I can kind of just like look at it, but I don't even think it's a conversation we can have fully because I don't think we know culturally where to go with this yet. Like, how do we be aware? And we want to know like, yeah, I have more than a lot of other people. And what do I do with that? And, you know, I think in terms of social justice and, and personal values and just trying to figure out in America where capitalism is, how it is right now, how, what do we do with this? Um, and still feel, mm -hmm. I don't know, still feel okay, still feel proud of who we are. Um, for me, day to day, what I want to find crack open in this conversation is we have to make sure that we are functioning um, in our own lives in a way that's whole and honest and embodied and real. And if we're not hitting the markers or doing enough philanthropy or doing all those things, we need to trust that we will get to filling a bigger mission, whether it be a better education or more philanthropic things or whatever it is that you feel like you need to do on the highest level, only when we have our whole selves kind of put together and at least acknowledged and integrated. So that I think those things supersede anything you're going to do with your privilege, with your financial privilege. Does that make sense? It could be also totally off. I'd love yeah. to hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around it a little bit. It, it sounds like what you're saying is that people may struggle with like what they're supposed to do with their privilege. Like somehow they have to like give it away or they don't like, they need to do something with it that just can't be something that exists. Like there needs to be something done with it. Yeah. I love that. Stephanie, that's I great. Exactly. I love that. They can't just be something that exists. Right. And something has to be done with it. And exactly. That's totally what it is. And I think I, think folks are not always aware that that's what they feel and the level to which it's almost masochistic where they're like, it doesn't matter what your feelings are until you've done something, you've made something of this privilege, whether it be for other people or yourself or your family or whatever, like you have to make something of this. You're now sort of burdened with this like 
pile of stuff of, of like prosperity and like you better make good on it. It's like, well, you know, for mm-hmm. me, I'm sort of like, you're not going to make good on any of that until you can, can integrate your whole self and figure out what's here and get clean and clear in yourself. And then you, then you can figure out what, what your real values are. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have some clients um, that I speak to a lot about like their disdain towards capitalism. <laughs> and I feel like this mm-hmm. kind of ar- argument or this kind of conversation is almost in line with that in some ways, because like, if you have money, you need to do something with it. If you don't have money, then you want money. It's like almost like because our our culture is so focused in America, so focused on money and capitalism, it creates all of these weird relationships with money, no matter what like SES that you are at. And when you're, you know, maybe more prosperous or privileged with your finances, you have a whole different type of relationship with it rather than someone who maybe doesn't have it and not, wants nothing more than to have it. And it's like both sides are struggling with the relationship with money at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, Stephanie, I love that. I love, so one of my, <laughs> my um, like things in my life is like freeing people up. I think we are burdened by our divisiveness. Um, and I think what you're saying is totally true. Like there's, whenever someone is suffering at the hands of something, it's not just one person that's suffering. Usually the other side is also suffering at least in some way, you know, maybe not in a way that we can obviously see as equal or whatever. I'm not trying to, I don't think comparing suffering is super helpful. Um, and I think that's so Mm -hmm. helpful. Like to me, it almost, I, you know, if you, if your folks are anti-capitalist, they could probably almost use this as an argument as like one more argument. Like it also isn't like super healthy for the people who are like sort of hashtag winning. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm right there with you. Like this idea of like, that is why I think this doesn't get spoken about very often because it's like, oh, those poor wealthy people. Oh, and to me, I'm like, that's really mean. Really what it's based on is making somebody other. And whenever we're making somebody other, we're doing a disservice to us all. We don't have to agree mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. but there, it's not other, right? Like it's trying to figure out how, like what's happening here. There's always information even when someone's other, right? That's, and it's such a quick one. I was going to say, as a, I think like society, we're all trying to figure out like what our purpose is and what we are going to like give back to society or make of ourselves. And that's not a unique like a unique problem to anyone. And so I think going back to what you said, like rather than seeing, you know, wealth or underprivileged or middle-class or whatever as these like subcategories, maybe we should just all see each other as like, we're all in this together in a lot of ways. And we don't need to be constantly like comparing ourselves because that does nothing but create more toxicity around our relationships with ourselves and money and, our purpose and all these other things that I think every human struggles with. Oh, I love that. It actually reminds me of, I've been, I had been working with someone for a while who had this really difficult past and we, we had to, we had to figure out so much of like, what if when you're, you're having a hard day, what if that is just like a normal human hard day? And you, that would be a hard day no matter what your past was. And I think this is similar. Mm-hmm. Like what of this like intensity and like value of like, Oh gosh, I have to do, 
I have to do like find my way and do well by myself in the world. Like, um, you know, accomplish something, right. Um, I have to serve the world or I have to whatever. And that everybody's feeling that. And when you put in this whole thing, but it's different because I have money, it's almost like, well, it's not. Everybody feels Mm -hmm. that. So maybe let's take the caveat of like, well, I shouldn't be having a hard time out. It's just a human thing. It's not necessarily a prosperity thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious when you, you know, talk with your clients, does it ever come up this idea of like, they don't deserve it. So they have to give it away or they don't deserve it. So they don't want it. Um, Cause I feel like that even happens. I'll use myself as an example. Like I didn't necessarily come from wealth, but I'm doing financially well now, like stability. And sometimes I even find myself feeling like, oh, like I don't like deserve this. Like I'm not really that good. I'm not really like that smart. Like, why do I, why am I doing well? Like I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like I should like not be doing so well. And so I don't know if your any of your clients like struggle with that sort of like, I don't deserve this. Like I should give it away because it's not mine and it's someone else's deserves this more than me. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious if you have come across that. Yeah. I think I hear, I hear some of that. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I hear the most, although that, that is definitely in the repertoire. The thing that I hear most is almost, it's like this burden that's, con- Oh, this is so interesting to me, Stephanie, as we're talking, I, I'm really appreciating the conversation because it's also like unpacking it for me too. I love it. Um, it's this sort of burden, like I have this lineage is often, particularly if it, if it's money, the person didn't come from not having money. And then now they do, if it's money, they were bequeathed through their family, or they just, you know, a legacy of prosperity. Um, it's almost like they don't even question it as a thing. They could, they're like bridled with it or saddled with it. That's what it is. They're saddled with it. Right. And there isn't even a way you could get rid of it. You know, you couldn't give it away. You couldn't, because it's just literally, it's, almost the same as like, well, your family is how your family is, right? Like, right. You know, it's, it's like any family dynamic. It's just part of their family dynamics. Um, but I love, like, I love that how easily we get confused about our specific life making us so different. And then, you know, when you're saying, wait, this is actually a thing that all humans are, are striving for. And just like with the, you know, like the person I was talking about, or, or I've had several people who have had really challenging trauma past who now can't figure out what's a normal human experience and what's not normal, right? You know, I think this is common to people mm-hmm. of like, the hard thing in my life, is that making everything hard? Or is life just sometimes hard, even if you don't have that hard thing in your life? And so I think that translates like the, the experience that I know of through folks with trauma trying to discern that. I think it's similar with the financial stuff. And I bet it's all, everyone, right? Like everyone has a thing that they think, is this making my life hard? Like, you know, is my learning disability, is that's what makes my life so hard? Is my anxiety, is that what's making my life so hard? And I'm just thinking too, I was working, you know, I've been working with, I always work with anxiety folks. And I, uh, once we get to this point where I can assess, at least through my assessment, that they are kind of living in an average life. They, their anxiety is now inside of what I would say is consensus normal, right? Because there's no normal normal, but we would agree mm-hmm. like it's around what's average-ish. Once we get into that, then yeah. I work with them just training like, so people are anxious sometimes. 
Like this, there's a part of anxiety that's actually a normal human experience. Like it's just kind of regular. And so this is interesting too, because I think it's similar to this, this financial piece goes the same way. Yeah. I'm curious, like when someone comes to you and says, you know, I shouldn't feel this way um, or, oh, X, Y, and Z is happening, but I, I should be fine because, you know, I have prosperity in my life. Do you find that there's specific like uh, techniques that you use or specific goals that you might set with that person to kind of work through th- this issue that they have? Yeah, sure. I think that's that's a great question. Um, I would say first we take some find time to find it. I think a lot of times we want to come into therapy and be like, let's fix it right now. Um, but really what's in the best service to ourselves is to give ourselves a little time to just leave things how they are and pay better attention. And so we'll talk about how do they know and when, when, what do they feel in their body or what are they thinking when they're kind of rounding that, that shame or that pain. And then they just start noticing how often they, they feel that or think those thoughts. Um, and then once we kind of find how many places they can identify that it is and, and the quality of it, like we usually have a pattern. We always feel it around uh, when I bring my kid to school because he goes to this fancy school or when I, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, or it could be anything. It's so funny. I have one person who, who buys like um, toilet paper and always feels embarrassed by they, but that they buy the high-end toilet paper. I know it's like so funny, but it's because they're flushing it down the toilet and they're, but they're like, but like, that's the kind I like and I can afford it. <laughs> Whatever it is where you feel like a little guilty or a little like self-conscious, right? We're, we're so funny as humans. I love it. Right. Like the things that make us feel, you know, feel our, the rubs that we have, like the little friction inside ourselves. Once we find it, then a big thing that I'm doing with people is just, I help them figure out um, real or not real. Right. So this is actually from, do you know the Hunger Games? I bet a bunch of people do. So um, yeah. the Hunger Games, PETA, one of the characters is brainwashed. And in the end of the, you know, toward the end, they have to, he, I'm going to give away something. So if you haven't seen Hunger Games, plug your ears. So in the end, they, he has to ask people like, I have this memory. Is this a real or not real thing? So he has to literally take thoughts in his brain and ask the people who love him and say, is this real or not real? And so I do that with my clients. So we find all the places that it is and we go through and we think real or not real. And I I work with them. I'll reflect back to them. Well, I see a lot of people and I can chime in what I think is real or not real. But really, I want them because I think we know in our guts when we settle in to our whole heart, we rest and we ask ourselves real or not real. We know. And our knowing is more important. Like like the client or individual knowing is more important than my knowing. If they get really lost, then I'll say, mm. well, here's what I've seen, right? And then once we know something's real and not real, then we have to learn how to talk to ourselves about it, right? It, it is what mm. it is, and it may go away, and it may not go away. But we at least need to say what is true, and how do we talk to ourselves about it, even if it never changes. Yeah, so it sounds like um, kind of awareness and then you know, questioning the real and not real and then almost like a reframe and then maybe giving the person something else to say to themselves instead. Yeah. It's really, it's pretty cognitive behavioral with like a little mindfulness, but not quite like structured DBT stuff. 
doing a little therapy lingo, but I think that might help you too, because you, you may know what I'm talking about <laughs> since you're another therapist. But, it, you know, you're watching your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. And those are where, what, where you engage in and then where you intervene. And we also do some stuff that's like bigger than that, which is like your values and your spirituality and like whatever you feel, you know, if there's any faith pieces, like they can come in too. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like, I was just going to say, it sounds like there's a quite a bit of people that, that struggle with this. Um, and you've seen it a lot in your practice. Do you find that people, you know, once they kind of work with you, settle into kind of allowing themselves to have like hard times and allowing themselves to, to struggle without telling themselves like, why I shouldn't feel this way and kind of like almost move past the shame and more into like, Oh, this is my human experience. Mm. I think some of that always happens. I, um, there's some things that we uh, will a hundred percent let go of. And we almost, you know, the, you know, like there's this arc of healing or chain or transformation arc of transformation, we'll say where you slowly can notice it. And then you notice it and you intervene and interrupt it. And then you don't, you notice it and you avoid it. And then you don't notice it and you avoid it just out of habit. And then you can't even remember you did it. Right. So that happens. But I always mm-hmm. have in the goal for my goal with people, it's like kind of, it's to me, it's a Buddhist. It's out of my lineage of like Buddhist teachings, but it's like yes and no at the same time. So we're always trying to see what movement mm-hmm. we can make. And then we're also simultaneously working as hard as we can in a, in a very accepting way. So it's not work at all. Like this is what it is. And if it never changed, Mm -hmm. you would still be okay. And you would have pain. Pain is not a sign Mm -hmm. that something shouldn't be happening. So I guess my answer is people are more aware of what's happening. I think when they work with me, that was a very aloof, I think it was like very meta thing, but essentially (laughs) I help people become more aware of what's happening. And then some of it's still just painful and confusing, but it's less confusing mm-hmm. when you can name it and you kind of know the beast, even if you can't get rid of the beast, you, it's sort of like taming it without totally eliminating it. So they'll have these feelings and they'll have yeah. that experience, but they also maybe know how to take care of themselves in general better. Even if this, this will pop us up less, less often and less viciously. And then when it does pop up, they know how to do less harm to themselves with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it almost sounds like a way, like I'm just imagining myself like, okay, if I were in therapy and I was saying like, oh, you know, I'm having this problem and like I shouldn't feel this way. It almost sounds like you're kind of teaching them to not bully themselves anymore, to kind of like be more self-accepting and to not minimize their emotions and just kind of allow them to be their emotions, which I think is like a lot of therapists goals with therapy. This just specific one has to do with dealing with their feelings around their own prosperity and minimizing their emotions. Yeah. I think that's pretty, um, pretty accurate. Um, I think yeah, I think it's just it's it's one I haven't heard spoken about very much. Um, this this sort of pain, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it's of interest to me. It's actually, I don't know if I've ever heard other people talk about it in reference to therapy, even though I know other therapists are hearing mm-hmm. it. So I was I was excited to be like, can we have this conversation? 
Yeah, I guess I'd be curious to know if there has been any like research around it or, um, yeah, like other people talking about it. Because I do think it's not something that's talked about often, right? We hear, you know, rightfully so about people who maybe struggle on the other end. Um, and maybe that's because oftentimes people overlook people that are less fortunate, um, and think that people going almost like feeding back into the original thing that you're saying, like feeding back to this idea that like, Oh, people have money. They don't have problems. We need to pay attention to the other people that have problems that don't have money. Right. But like, obviously that's not true. Um, but I think the light is often shined the opposite direction. And so these people who have, um, money and maybe minimize their problems get kind of like overlooked or the light isn't shown on, on that as often, which it probably needs to change. Yeah. And I think definitely, and I I mean, it becomes like, I'm sure you're aware, but it just becomes a such bigger conversation of like, is that really the bell we're going to ring right now in our culture? I think that's, you know, feels like we're kind of in a different space right now. Um, and to answer your question, I haven't heard, I've heard almost nothing about this. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've been on quite a few podcasts and it just hasn't come up. Honestly, I will tell you that I was um, sheepish about bringing this to you as a conversation for the very reason that these people feel how they feel. Is it okay to say that people who have privilege also have suffering? We're in a really interesting time in our culture. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like it should be allowed that anyone's allowed to share their suffering and have their story. And, um, you know, again, I honestly think that no matter where you're at in life, like if you have a problem, you should be able to to have the resources that you need to have that addressed, no matter what level that you're at. And it's unfortunate that people feel like they aren't allowed to have problems or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think sometimes there's, it's important to have a question and it's okay to not have an answer. Um, but it, it's mm-hmm. still important to just say there's the question. Like, what do we do with this? Yeah. And I think the answer, I think in terms of like meta America, the, the question is not even fully allowed to be asked for sure. And then even if we were to like make a space for it, I don't think we're ready to answer it. Um, but it's actually exciting mm-hmm. to me to think like there'll be a time when that question can be answered and all of the people get to have an access for some option of housing and all of the people to get to have option to be fed, right? That th- those questions are not mm-hmm. mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think how people can maybe at least shift their mindset in their everyday life is rather than say like, Oh, money solves all of your problems or, Oh, rich people don't have issues. Like they're fine. Right. Like I've, I've been in conversations where people say stuff like that and it's like, well, that's not actually true. Like you don't know what individual person has been through. So you can't just like judge a person based on what you think is true about their life. Kind of going back to that. Oh, from 10 feet away. Yeah. Their life looks great, but you don't really know what it looks like. So I think just even giving people the benefit of the doubt is really valuable in our society as a whole. Yeah. Stephanie, this is a hard conversation. I think (laughs) Um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm thinking like it also sheds a light on the whole thing of like money is maybe not entirely the thing we think it is. Um, 
and and I've been in times where you know I was thinking you know I was just talking I told you earlier before this we came on here I was, I was chatting with my sister and we were talking about when we were in our you know 20s and we couldn't get the electricity turned on in our apartment um, and so for a week we we also had no money so we were eating we had no electricity so we had an electric uh, um, a power cord going to the neighbor's house. She's like, you can like plug in one power cord. So we had to like pick, we had like the stereo and a lamp. <laughs> That's what we could plug in for a week. <laughs> and we had no heat because it was electric. And then we had a fireplace. So we did all of our cooking for the week on the fireplace in this tiny little apartment. And we didn't have a ton of money. So we had frozen French fries and ramen and eggs. And like you guys now struggle meals. Um, and we're sitting in the living room by the fire, cooking our French fries in a pan and we and I was like, but we have dipping sauces. So I bring out like ketchup and barbecue sauce and all these things we had moved from the last house, like the condiments essentially. And I was like, we have French fries mm-hmm. and sauces, right? So I'm making this sound funny. And part of it was like really cool. Like I was just with my sister, but part of it was super scary and stressful. So there's money does mm-hmm. is this thing of like primal, right? And I have similarly to you gone from understanding what it's like to be like, oh, I can't pay my rent to being like, "Mm, I have more money than I need. And I still have a lot of the problems that I had when I couldn't pay my rent. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's just, this is a very interesting conversation. As I, as I said, I don't think we have the answer, but, um, yeah, there it is. Right. Like, Turns out the same luggage shows up. It just is in nicer suitcases. Your baggage becomes luggage. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think hopefully people will just be having more conversations about money in general because I think it is such a, like a taboo topic. And if we're all not talking about it, then we're all silently suffering. Whether you have a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account or you have like 10, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Or negative. (laughs) We also can't have a collaborative solution, right? Because we really need like, we need all the angles to come in. And when we have this divisiveness and we can't sit in the same room together, oh, it's such a sad piece of humanity. Like everybody, I mean, Mm -hmm. even the people who really don't like what they have to say, if we can go through the weeds, there's still, you know, there's still juice in the lemon. So I, I, yeah, we'll see. But this is, to me, it's like, let's talk about money. Let's talk about pain. Let's talk about how money and humanity and pain intersect. And like, yeah, it's, oh gosh, this just gets so big. I won't, I won't unpack any more than that for today, Stephanie. Thank you so much (laughs) for this conversation. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate having you on and, you know, opening the door to this conversation and hopefully more people have conversations, you know, in their their own homes and with their own families, because I definitely think it's a conversation that needs to be had um, amongst everyone. So thank you so much for coming on today. And yeah, I really appreciate that. Where can people find you? Social media, maybe your email address, website, feel free to, to share. Sure. Thanks. Uh, it's easy. NorthBoulderCounseling.com. And then from there, you can go to my personal website and all that. But if you do North Boulder Counseling, you'll find me. Or Jen Morley, just Google that and everything comes up under that. Jen is spelled with a G, G-E-N. So 
Yeah. Good to see you. Um, well, I get to see you and everyone on the podcast can't see you, but anyway, nice to chat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, take care everyone. <laughs>